zesty. Come on, you're feeling zesty. You know you are. You know what? Actually, somebody found me. Um, remember, I was talking about simplifying, and I was talking about the perfect soap that my daughter was using, right? Someone actually found me a grown-up men's version of the shampoo, the conditioner, and the body wash all in one. So right now, if you smell me, I smell the same everywhere. Just to let you know, in case you get close enough, I got the one product that simplified my bathing activity. So I'm still holding out for it to be built in with the deodorant and the toothpaste. Then I'd be perfectly clean with one product, but we're working on that. But um, we're going to be talking this morning about fasting. Anybody ever fasted in here before? Okay, you got some experience. How many of you guys are like, I've never tried it before. No shame in it. Come on. You never fast. Good. Then I got some people to talk to something, uh, talk something about to talk. I'm going to talk a lot today and you're going to listen to me. Um, We're going to talk about fasting, but you know what fasting is? Basically, fasting is a way where we put out a little bit of extra effort in our spiritual walk because we're looking through for a little bit extra breakthrough or a little bit more of our needs to be met. It's going the extra mile. It's doing something physically that would stir something up spiritually so that we could receive a further blessing from God. Does that make sense? So basically we're talking about that fasting is just putting out a little bit of extra effort. And that's what the sermon's about today is working a little bit hard in our faith so that we can receive the extra stuff that God has has for us. Um, I was actually doing something over my last spring break where I was working on something. I'm going to show it to you guys right now. You guys ready for something? See how multi-talented your pastor is? Check this out. I want to show you guys something that I made. Look at this. I made this over spring break. What did you do? Come on. See this? This is an Elias surfboard. And what this is, is this is the, the, the kind of board that the ancient Polynesians and Hawaiians used to invent the sport of surfing. It doesn't have any fins on the bottom of it, right? And it's only at its thickest, it's about three quarters of an inch thick. And um, so let me tell you guys the story behind this. I'm going to set it right here. It is awesome. I know. I'm going to set it right here so you can marvel at my craftsmanship all service long. Look at that. Oh, pastor, you're good, right? Well, um, let me tell you the story behind this thing is my son and I were watching some surf videos and we saw that a few years back, a few guys had rediscovered the old boards like in Bishop Museum and, and in the magazines and the, in the, in the books about the history of surfing and stuff. And they decided to start bringing this back into production and making these boards and riding them. And we saw these guys riding these boards without fins and these thin things. And we're going, wow, that's, that's real surfing. That's another sport we want to conquer. So I started going, you know, I've tried a bunch of different parts of surfing, the shortboarding, the longboarding, the bodyboarding, uh, windsurfing, stand-up surfing, you know, stand-up paddleboarding, kayaking, canoeing, a bunch of that stuff. And I'm thinking, I, I got to up my game. I got to keep learning. I want to be a total waterman, you know, like just have mastered everything. And when it came to surfing, I'm like, I want to try this other form of surfing that was like the old school, legit way of surfing before the fins and the fiber and everything. So I got all excited. I watched these guys surfing and how they did it. And I'm like, there's something new to learn to be better at, right? And so we watched it and we said, we're going to make those boards. We could buy them, but they're super expensive, like 500 bucks or something. We're going to make our own and we're going to learn to surf. We're going next level, right? So me and my son and my brother-in-law and my nephew all just started watching these videos and, and we wanted to be able to learn to 
to have this new sport under our belt and be able to accomplish this thing. But what I didn't understand is I thought it would take like a couple days tops to bang one of these things out, right? It took all of spring break. It took all kind of hard work and effort. And if you come and actually touch the sport, it's still actually tacky because the stuff on it is not even completely dry yet. And it took me, here's what we had to do. We watched the videos on it because there's not a lot out there. So we had to watch every single YouTube video that they produce on how to ride these, how to shape them. I had to research all these different websites, Alaya surfboards. How do you make them? How do you get the dimensions? I had to go buy tools I didn't even have before. I had to plane this thing out. I had to use power sanders. We had to use like skill saw, jigsaws and all of this stuff. And I thought literally like a few hours, it's just a piece of wood. How hard can it be, right? That it tracked down where on island they sold the specific type of wood because it's it's a specific type of wood that resists salt water bugs and it floats good and all this stuff. So I had to go find that, pick up the, the blank. It's like a sheet of wood from like seven and a half feet tall by four feet wide. So we were able to make three of these out of one piece of wood. But it was all of this. I had to set up a, a shop in my backyard where I could do all this sanding. And there was literally sawdust everywhere in my yard, right? So being a good neighbor, I shared with the neighbors. I blew it right into the, hey, this is what I'm doing. Enjoy my craft. So so they got a little taste of my sawdust as well, right? And the, it drove my kids crazy, and I had to, you know, having asthma attacks and all this, but there's sawdust everywhere. Then you're, you're putting this linseed oil on it with turpentine, and it's just driving the dog crazy. Get out of here. It smells bad, and, and it's just taking over my yard. And then there's the sanding, the planing, the cutting, the just all that it took to the point where my son kind of gave up halfway through. He was like, Dad, enough for it. I just want to ride the thing. He was inside watching surfing on TV while I was out there cranking away at it. And then the next day, he's like, can we just surf already? So I had to give it a break, and I had to take him surfing so that he could just, you know, his patience levels were okay. But what I discovered in all of this is at the end of it, I've got this beautiful board, right? And it's amazing. I'm like, oh, we finished it. But I'm not even honestly halfway there yet because I still got to learn how to ride the darn thing, right? It doesn't have fins on it. I don't know what to do. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out and attempt to ride it. And I'll, I'll keep you guys posted. I'll bring some videos or something of me just falling a million times. But I'm going to conquer this thing, right? Because I want my surfing to go to next level. I want to learn this sport. But I had no idea it was going to take that much work. But you know what? When I get this thing conquered, and I'm going to bring some GoPro footage or something and show you guys me ripping on this board or whatever, it's going to be have all been worth it because I've, I've got that skill under my belt. I found the fun. I've got to that next level. And you know what we're talking about today in fasting and how fasting plays into that? We're going to talk about our faith needs to be built up, and it takes hard work, and it takes effort, okay? It, we're, we're, the point of the message this morning is that Remember we talked about simply Jesus, that our salvation is built on faith in Jesus alone. We can't boast about it. We're not holy enough. We're not religious enough. We didn't earn it. We're not good enough people. Our faith, our salvation, our eternal security, forgiveness is based on a free gift from God that says, if I just know Jesus and I believe and I receive and I keep going back to his plans for my life, then I'm in, I'm good. But that really is just the start of the potential that God has for us. You guys understand that? That's like, good, I'm going to heaven. It's great. I have a relationship. But unless I put in a little bit of effort into this thing, then I'm just going to be staying at that same place. It's like that sheet of wood that I bought. It's awesome. It's already off of the tree. It's already been made into the sheet of wood. And it's just sitting there full of potential to get even better. And it's when I put in the hard work with my son and us working together, it becomes something incredible. And see, our Christian life is like that. It's simple. It's about Jesus. It's not about religion and earning your way in. 
But in response to this faith and this connection and this relationship we have with Jesus now, we want to obey him. We want to do all the things he's saying, this will make your life better. Because we're in connection now and I love you, I can do all this stuff in your life, but you got to put in a little bit of effort. It's a two-way deal. You guys understand that? It's not a relationship where, God, I'm a Christian now. I'm going to kick back on the couch with the recliner, the remote, and it's all you. Because it doesn't work that way in marriage, right? And how should it? Some of you guys are, well, in my house it does. You're in trouble, guys, if that's what you think. Well, I got married, and honey, cook for me, clean for me, do all of this stuff right now. And that's not how it works, right? It's a two-way relationship we got to put time into. And so there's hard work, and there's effort involved in that. And so just like this board to get the board, it, it took some stuff, some hard work, some effort. And I believe that if we want to get to the next level in our walks with God, and we want to honestly receive the best life possible, then because it's a relationship, it's going to require us seeking after God in new ways and upping our game. Because here's, here's the bottom line. A lot of us go to church, we have a relationship with God, and we do, we've got the routine down. The problem is it becomes a routine. And if we keep doing the normal stuff over and over again, all we're going to get is the normal results that we always get. There's times in our life when we're trying to go farther, to up our game, to get next level. We're some of us came in here today and you've just got one thing stuck on your mind, in your head, in your heart that you're just so frustrated, you're stressing, you're grieving, you're hurting over and it's the one thing and I don't know what it is, it's different for all of us, but you're going, if I could just overcome this obstacle, if I could just find breakthrough in this area, if I could just get healing from God, this is the one thing that's just, oh, I just, how do I get there? I've been a Christian this long. I've been seeking more of the Holy Spirit. How come I'm not experiencing it? How come I've been, I've been holding out for healing and God knows that I love him and all of this stuff. How come I'm not getting to that level? Well, part of it is God as a relationship with us is going, how bad do you want it? I got it for you, but how much do I have of you so that I can move in your life? You guys get what I'm saying here? And there's the effort that it takes in a two-way relationship to say, God, you're loving me this much, but I want to show you how much I love you. And so we want to be people that are willing to go, you know what, to get to the end product, I'm going to put in that extra work. I do the normal stuff, I get the normal results. I push a little deeper, I try to step out of my comfort zone and go a little more for God, put in some some effort, God's going to meet us there and we're going to begin to see the best life possible unfold. It's weird how in our Christian faith, we think that we get saved and we can kind of just do the same same old stuff and, and kind of coast and do routine. But in reality, it doesn't work like that in the real world, does it? Think about a marriage or a relationship or a friendship or in family. See, for me to make my marriage or, or my relationship with my kids or, or family members, brothers, sisters, in-laws, whatever, for it to really work... I have to actually go the extra mile and I have to learn what they like to do. I have to listen to what they're all about in their heart. We have to do things like um, family nights where I have to tell everybody, no, block the schedule. We're getting together. We're going to go do something together as a family. But it takes hard work to, to round everybody up in my house to do that kind of stuff. You know, we've lost the incredible value of family dinners together, haven't we? Think about it. We've all gotten so busy and kids are microwaving their food. Mom gets off work at a different time. We've lost that value of getting the family together, turning off the TV, the iPhone, the iPod, the, all of that stuff, 
and actually just talking and being a family. See, there's stuff you got to work hard at. In my marriage, I have to have date nights. You know that I'm 17 years married and I'm still dating my wife and it's a pretty cool thing. We still love each other. We're still like learning about each other, but we have to take the time. We got to pay a babysitter. It's extra money. We got to arrange all the stuff for the kids. That's extra money. But you know what? That hard work and effort pays off, doesn't it? If you guys are in there, some of you guys are like, oh, I haven't dated my wife since I dated my wife, you know? Maybe you had to think about it. Put out the extra effort and see what good that could do for your marriage. I found that in my family that um, I have a sister that lives in California, married to a great guy, got a great brother-in-law, but I hardly ever talk to her. And I'm experiencing the results of that. I'm not close to this wonderful woman that's my sister that lives all these miles away in California because one Facebook post every couple months doesn't cut it in building the relationship. And so if I want to go next level and have that, that great relationship with my sister, I got to call her. I got to talk to her. You know, I got to build into her life. That's something God's convicting me of. So in marriage and in family, you got to put out the hard work. In surfing, I took my son, right? He's 12 years old. He's about to thir- turn 13. And the other week when we were taking a break from this. I took him down to Kalamas in Kailua, right? Kailua Shore Breaks. You guys ever go down there? It's where we do the baptisms once a week. Anybody ever been to the beach in Kailua? Come on. Somebody, okay, f- thank you. Sheesh, you guys are like, nope, never heard of it. <laughs> so I take my son down there to, to surf, and he breaks his nose on his board, right? About eight inches or 12 inches down, it just breaks off. And he's like, oh, and all I can do is sit back and chuckle. <laughs> and the reason is because I said, Get used to it, son. If you grow up like I did, surfing this spot, you're going to break a lot of surfboards. Because the waves get like this big, but they break really shallow. And so you hit the sand a lot of times, and you break a lot of boards. And I put in my time at Kailua Shore Breaks, at Kalamas, in breaking noses. Probably broke about 30 boards over my lifetime of surfing and living there. Um, I put the hours in, getting sunburned, you know. But also because it's windward side, sometimes it's freezing cold. And I'm just shivering out there in the water. And what makes it worse is if anybody grew up on the east side, Portuguese man wars Anybody, you got stung by those things? Oh, God, why did you invent them, right? And you get stung and you get used to it. But you know what you do? You put in the hours, the broken boards, the sunburn, the freezing cold, the man wars all of that stuff because it makes you into a better surfer who's persistent, who's like, I don't care, brave the elements, and you get good, right? And so my son, I'm like actually just laughing because I'm going, yeah, son, you're doing it. You're starting to pay your dues. and We'll fix your board, but you got this thing. But Listen to the point I'm trying to make. In normal things in life, in sports, in relationships, and all those things, you have to put forth the effort to get the goal, to get the blessing, to go to the next level. You guys hearing me this morning? Okay, so that's what we're talking about in our faith. It shouldn't be any different. Our Christianity will not just grow and thrive on its own if we sit back and let God do all the work. God is expecting that we get to have the awesome pleasure and opportunity of being involved in the process together. Remember what the title that he gave the Holy Spirit in the Bible? It starts with an an H and it ends with an Elper. What word am I looking for here, people? The helper, right? He says that your life can get better and you are going to need help. So you ask for the Holy Spirit to help you, to partner with you, right? It's, the, it's a relationship ongoing. And so in our Christian life, we see that there's times when we got to press in deep and we need extra help and we got to seek him in ways that we haven't sought him before. And so look at what God's word says. I got a really great um, 
Well, I want to talk about Paul first. We've been talking about Paul. He is the king of zest, right? He's the best at zest. Zesty life apostle, started the churches, loves Jesus, just went big for the gospel, right? And here's Paul back in Romans 8 we were talking about. And in Ephesians 4, Paul says for us as Christians in our Christian life that it's actually going to take work. It's actually going to be a bit of a struggle. And what he talked about is the daily struggle, if you're listening to me, the daily struggle, the daily effort that we have to make in killing sin, in putting to death our sinful nature. Jesus went to the cross to, to, to kill that for us, to separate us from our sin. However, because of this world we live in, and we have a very real enemy out there, the devil and our own sinful nature being born into that, there is a tendency for that stuff to slip back into our lives every single day. So we're working hard to make sure that that stuff stays dead. Amen? There's a stuff you wake up in the morning and you, you're not just like, oh, God is the greatest and I'm just going to love my whole day and everything's going to be perfect. The, the reality is if, if you're like me, you have kids and kids are whining and stuff's going on and there's like the old nature coming in and going, get critical, get mad, Carl. Like, don't give them breakfast this morning. Get them back, you know, and, you know that kind of stuff, right? And it's like not everything's like perfect with your, your wife or your day or traffic or the weather or whatever. And there's, there's that. Or there maybe it's the stuff coming at you, your old flesh that's just like, you're useless, you're not nobody. Nobody wants to be your friend. You should stay depressed. And you know what? You should just give up on everything else. And we as Christians, honestly, think about this. Don't we have to fight against those temptations every single day? Apostle Paul was on it when he said, there's a fight going on and you got to step up and you got to battle against that old sinful nature. Kill that, 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 the, what the flesh wants. And he says, on the other side, you have to fight to invite the spirit in, to live according to the spirit, to really be able to say, it's not enough to just do away with the bad, but you actually have to fill up on the good. Amen? Because you could do away with the bad, kill the old stuff, and then you're just neutral. Well, I don't have any bad, but I'm just here. Mediocrity, complacency. But he also says it's a fight to surrender and to let the Holy Spirit have his work in your life and to be played out. Isn't it amazing that it's actually a fight to surrender? You would think that that's the easiest thing in the world, but how many of you guys are like me? You struggle with actually taking a full commanded in the Ten Commandments day of Sabbath every single week. For me, my schedule gets so busy, and it's like, yeah, I want to fight for that time, but then I let all this busyness take place, and I forget to obey this simple Sabbath day commandment that says, Carl, surrender. And it's so hard to surrender. So we are constantly in a battle for letting go of the old self and gaining the new self. Paul says that. But listen to this verse. Here's Paul again. He's coaching this young disciple of his named Timothy, right? Who we know went on and was kind of like the main leader, pastor in the church of Ephesus. And he was a young guy and he was timid and fearful and all that kind of stuff. But Paul's always encouraging him. I love the book of First uh, and Second Timothy. And he says this to Timothy in First Timothy 4, verses 7 through 10. He says, Timothy, train yourself to be God in other words, put out the effort it takes to work on your faith. Train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good. That's good. You know, you want to pump iron and get in shape and eat well and take supplements. That's awesome. And we got someone in the back cheering on that. Who is that? Josh? Is that Josh? Yeah, you're excited. Physical training, right? It is good. But Paul the Apostle is telling young Timothy, there's something that's better than that. There's something better than working out. There's something better than how you look and feel and all that. And here's what he says. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. 
It promises benefits in this life and in the life to come. He says, this is a trustworthy saying and everyone should accept it. This is why we, and look at the word here, we work hard and we continue to struggle. For our hope is in the living God who is the savior of all people and particularly for all believers. He goes, you know what? It takes work. It takes training. It takes hard work. And the the struggle is real, people. The struggle is real, right? It takes effort on our part to get all of the blessings that God has available for us. But he says, it's so worth it. You do the normal stuff, you get the normal results. You put in the hard work, you get something amazing. And I had the opportunity last night. I had a kind of a weird emotional night because my oldest daughter, 16 years old, she went to her first prom last night. So I was just kind of like, oh, oh, wow, what do I, what? She grew up already, you know? And I'm like, do I want to let her go? And who's the guy she's going with, you know, and whatnot. And, and, and when we showed up and she came with her dress and she's ready to go and get in the limo, she was beautiful, right? Can we show up? I actually took a picture of it last night. I want to brag on my kids a little bit. There's my beautiful 16-year-old daughter. She went to her first prom with um, another friend from church, not boyfriend. We're not doing that until she's 30 at least. But... <laughs> good friend from church. She went with a bunch of church kids in the limo and she looked gorgeous and I was so proud and I was a little you know, worried about the whole um, who are you going with guy. Do we have the picture of the, the guy there that she was with? Do we have that one Mel? No we don't have that one. Don't have that one. But there was the guy she was going with but I checked him out and I made sure I gave him a good hug, a hard firm hug and I <laughs> be good to my daughter, you know, but we got together and it's this, this awesome night they had and she came home late and she just had a really great time. But I thought about this, the pregame warm-up that she had to do getting ready. You know, months ago she had to go and pick the dress, order the dress, go down to Chinatown, get the best deals, try on the thing, all of that, buy the shoes, make the hair appointment, the nail appointment, uh, makeup. What else am I forgetting, ladies? Accessorizing, right? You got to get the purse and you get the jewelry and all of this like crazy stuff. I'm like, what? Really? You know, as guys, we're just like, rent the tux and just throw it on and you're good. Maybe shower if you feel like it, but as long as you look good, you're good, right? But I'm thinking she did into all of this. They had to reserve the flowers, the limo, the, all of this stuff. And she shows up and she's gorgeous. She's beautiful. Can I tell you guys this? I want to brag a little bit more. She just got a job. She just shot the cover for Honolulu Magazine this past week. I'm like, yeah, it's my daughter right there. So I'm excited. I'll show you that when that comes too. And you guys are going to get sick of me showing pictures of my kids. I don't even care. Here's my point. The prom for her to have that night and look that beautiful and all of that, it was worth all of that effort for her to go feeling confident, looking beautiful, being there with her date and he's all dressed up nice and they had this great night, but it took a lot of hard work and that's what the Apostle Paul is, is kind of leading with us tonight is we want the best, we want the best experience, we want the blessing, we want the breakthrough. You're looking for that thing that you walked in the door with that's just bugging you and hurting you and you just wish God would come through for you, then you gotta do something to take the extra effort necessary. And what we're talking about today is that God has given us an incredible tool in the Bible. And the tool is fasting. It's a tool that's not often used but it's very powerful. We see in the Old Testament through the New Testament that the people of God often fasted and fasted was going without food, some amount of food, like either all food and water or just food or partial foods, you know, cutting out some of this stuff in order that their physical hunger would drive them to a spiritual hunger for the things of God so that they could see breakthrough. And here's some of the stuff that that the people of God throughout the Old Testament, all the way to the New Testament, they fasted for. One was in times of war and in times of trial. God, give us victory. 
Give us protection. And then maybe I've talked to some people in here that, that they pray all the time for their kids because their kids moved away to the mainland and they're in college and they're on their own and they're going, God, please protect my son or daughter. Just protect them while they're up there. They're not with me. And I just, Lord, just pr- protection. People fasted and prayed into seeking protection and victory in war and preparing for ministry. You know, when they would anoint the missionaries to, to go out, Paul and Barnabas and Silas and all these guys, that they often fasted and prayed, God, we're seeking you. Just have your way in them. Direct them and empower them. Just send them out with a blessing. Get them ready. Jesus himself fasted, right? And it was kind of preparing that after he fasted, he began to enter his years of public ministry. But he needed to be focused. He needed to be close to the Father. He needed to be on his game so he was ready to go out there and to do what he did. We see that in the Bible, fasting was used um, in times of healing. People needed healing. Or, or there was times of forgiveness. People were repenting and going, God, we want to show you and, and be close to you and tell you how much we're, we're confessing and we're sorry. We just want to get close to you. It says in the early church that when they were waiting for the Holy Spirit, who Jesus promised to come, in, in Acts chapter 2, day of Pentecost, the believers were gathered together. They had been praying. They had been fasting. They have been seeking. God, we're waiting for the next big thing you want to do in our lives. But we're going we're gonna to fast to keep us focused on what you're all about. And so fasting is used for all of these things, answers and direction, getting a deeper relationship, intimacy. It's like this. It's a mighty tool that's often underused in helping us create something beautiful out of our lives. It's like when I had a big piece of wood and I didn't know how to turn it into something beautiful like that, I had to go and I had to purchase some tools. I had to get a power planer. You could do it by hand. It would take forever. I'm going, I want the best tool available. So I had a, a power planer. I had power sanders. I had all of this stuff. These were were tools in creating something beautiful out of just a piece of wood. You guys get what I'm saying? This fasting thing here, it's a tool that some of us have maybe tapped into in the past. Some of us don't have any experience about it, but it's something that all throughout the Bible people use so that they could go next level with God. They could put out that extra effort. So in making that extra effort, you know what we're going to do together as a church? We're going to go on a fast. Woo! How many guys are excited? Yeah! Everybody else is like, oh my gosh. What did I just get into? Well, here's the deal. We're going to go on a, a fast together. Because too many times... You hear a message from me or whoever's up on the stage here, and you hear a great message, and it's a great word. You get inspired, and you read the Bible. I backed it up with scripture. That's solid. That's what God wants for my life. That's so good. I'm going to think about that. And you go away, and you just think about that, right? And we're the, the whole idea that I'm preaching here every day, every weekend, or whenever, every service, not for information transfer, but for life change. Do you realize that? That all I care about is that I could take the things of God and make it clear to to you in a way that you're going to go, I want to try that because it sounds like God is good and it could fix my life. It could help my life. I could get closer to God. Do you guys get what I'm saying here? So too many times we walk away, we don't do anything about it. So in this fasting thing, we're going to kind of say, you know what, we're doing it and we're doing it as a group activity, right? Back in school, you did the group activities. The whole class does it. We're going to do it together. If you're willing, I'm not going to make you do it. I'm not going to force you to do it. It's not like drink the Kool-Aid. You know, I'm not, we're not that, right? We're a church. It's Jesus. It's not a cult. But I'm excited about fasting. I've done it many times. And for a whole season, I was doing it one day a week. But last year, the Daniel fast and all of this. How many of you guys did it with us last year? One week of Daniel fast. Awesome. Well, guess what? We're doing it again. And we're going next level. If you did it one week, I'm going to challenge you to do it two weeks this year. You guys ready? 
Woo, everybody's like a little nervous. I got to pray on this, Pastor. But we're going to do this. Let me tell you guys what fasting is all about and why I think it's awesome and why I believe it's worth it to make some effort so that you can get to the next level with God. Number one, let's talk about fasting. I think fasting is a tool, simply a tool for seeking God wholeheartedly. God wants our whole hearts, doesn't he? He doesn't want us settling for second best. He doesn't want to be third on the list of your agenda of things to do today. He wants to be number one on top of that list, that your list is written on him, right? That he's not even number one. He's just, he is the list. So fasting is a tool for seeking God. Joel, the prophet Joel in the Old Testament in chapter two, verse 12 and 13 says, that is why the Lord says, turn to me now while there is time. Give me your hearts. I want your hearts. Come with fasting, Weeping and mourning. Don't tear your clothing in your grief to show like, oh, look at me, I'm sad. He says, tear your hearts instead. I want your heart. He says, come with fasting, weeping and mourning. Return to the Lord your God. He's merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He's eager to relent and not punish. You know what fasting is? It's a spiritual discipline. It's a spiritual discipline, meaning you discipline your body, your life in the physical so that you can reap the rewards of something in the spiritual. And it's really no different when you think about it than making time to come to church every week, making time to go to mini church. You're doing something physical. You're blocking out your schedule. You're actively going somewhere, doing something physical so that you can reap the benefits in the spiritual. Does that make sense? When you enter into worship today, you guys were all singing. Now, you didn't have to sing. You could sit there and just enjoy it. But in us expressing physically singing out, we're doing something physically that's doing something in us spiritually. We're worshiping God. We're honoring. We're singing out. And when you get to the point in worship where you're, like, you're just really getting serious and you want to seek deeper, maybe you close your eyes like me. I close my eyes a lot. You know why? Because I get distracted so easy, right? I just get, I look around and I was wondering how everybody's doing, you know, and, and what's going on on stage. Oh, Snake's drumming super good today. I like that. Yeah, I'm watching that, right? And how many of you guys love to watch Greg, who is leading worship today, when he starts hopping around and doing his deal? I love that. I get fired up, but then I get so into it. Yeah, go Greg, you know, that I kind of forget, oh, it's about me and God too, right? And so there's times when I just go, I'm going to do something physical, to put me in the right place in the spiritual. I'm closing my eyes. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to raise my hands. You know why we raise our hands and it talks about it in Psalms is, is that it's a sign of surrender. It's a sign of giving worth and value to God. It's a sign of you getting a little uncomfortable in, in the physical because you're honoring someone who is spiritual and you're trying to improve that life. So I close my eyes. I raise my hands. If I'm led to, I'll kneel or whatever it takes. Do you understand it's a physical act that's doing something in you spiritually? Because God is after our hearts. And so it's a spiritual discipline. It's like praying. It's like taking time to read the Bible, honoring God on the Sabbath, communion when we take time for that, tithing. It's things that we can do physically that are doing something for us spiritually. He wants our heart. The other thing about fasting that you got to know is fasting doesn't change God. Fasting changes me. Okay? We've got to know that because otherwise we use fasting as a religious tool to try to manipulate God. God, look how holy I am. I'm going without food. I'm doing this. You better answer my prayer. We try to strong arm God, right? We try to say, look how holy I am and you got to bless me now. But remember, that's not how it works. It's a relationship. Fasting changes me. Here's how I know this to be true. Last year we did the Daniel fast. It's a partial fast, right? It's, it's cutting out a bunch of foods and stuff that we'd normally rely on and depend on. But I did this fast and I kind of said, God, this is what I'm fasting for. Here's my, my goal. I want these people to change and this relationship to get better and this and that. Can you do this? I'm fasting for this. Here's what happened. In the midst of the fast as I was seeking God, 
God didn't answer my prayer and change those people. You know what he did? He changed me. And coming out of the fast, he changed my perception of the situation and of the people and of my relationship. So that coming out of the fast, I went, I'm much better and I feel excited and I can't wait to see what God does. But it didn't really do what I wanted God to do. Does that make sense? And that's the beauty of fasting is that it changes me. It doesn't always accomplish what I was expecting. Now, there's a lot of people in the church that are going, I was praying for this friend and God totally did it through my fast. I was praying for this and God met me there and he took me next. He gave me what I initially set out to to pray about. But the, the bottom line isn't that God would just meet your needs. It's that he would bring you into a closer relationship with him so that he would want to meet your needs because you're in relationship. It's, it's that intimacy. It says in um, Isaiah 58 verses three and four, he says, we, these are the people trying to impress God. We have fasted before you, they say. Why aren't you impressed? We've been very hard on ourselves, God, and you don't even notice it. I will tell you why I respond. It's because you're fasting to please yourselves. You're trying to show off. You're trying to do it for religious reasons. Because even while you fast, you keep oppressing your workers. What good is fasting when you keep on fighting and quarreling? This kind of fasting will never get you anywhere with me. Fasting is not to impress God or to show off. It's that your heart would be changed and you would live differently and you would seek God differently so that the changes that happen would produce good results and God would want to bless you. You become blessable as the fast in itself changes you. So we got we to gotta remember that it's about changing us, not necessarily strong-arming God. Fasting also, just so you know, biblically speaking, it always goes hand-in-hand hand with prayer. Okay, you can say like in, in the real world, they say, oh, I'm on a medical fast or whatever. Or I'm, or I'm fasting from TV or I'm fasting from whatever, you know, whatever it is. But true biblical fasting is about abstaining from food and it's about praying. It's the whole basis is on, there's some things that I really want. When we start our fast, you guys are going to find out very quickly how dependent you are on sugar and on coffee, oh, I just said it right there. I just crossed the line, right? Coffee, when you got to give that stuff up, stuff up for a week, you know what you find out about yourself? Wow, I can't believe how much I depend on those stupid things, and I don't depend on Jesus Christ every day. Oh, heavy. You start to get hit with the reality is, I'm so hungry for that stuff. How come not, I'm not as hungry as I should be for the things of God? Jesus tells us in Matthew 5, 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for Starbucks. No. <laughs> Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for L&L. He says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. When you fast and you're doing the fast and going without food, if it's not about prayer and it's not about hungering for things of righteousness, you're basically just on a diet, right? You can fast all you want. If there's no prayer attached to it, you're just trying to lose weight and stay in shape, right? And you might as well do Purium or Weight Watchers or, you know, whatever that is. But we take this thing seriously and we realize that biblically speaking, what God intended is that we would be feeling physical hunger so that it would drive us to spiritual hunger and then God would step in he would meet us and take us to the next level so it's going to be exciting to do this stuff you're going to get hungry but God's going to say but remind remind yourself what you're hungry for see the thing is if we're followers of Jesus Christ we call ourselves Christians right Christ-like followers of Jesus Christ we take on his whole name we're in his club we're in his family that we should be modeling all that he modeled to us he said he said for us to to live our lives after him right that, that only through him is the way to the Father. So we, we look at his model and his, his example. Remember Jesus fasted for 40 days? Jesus along with Elijah and Mo- Moses were people in the Bible that fasted for 40 days. And Jesus himself got baptized 
in the water, right? From John the Baptist, the Holy Spirit came upon him like a dove descended. This is my, you know, son, you know, the whole situation right there. He got filled up. Then he went on his fast and the devil came and tempted him. But do you realize that Jesus was preparing, he was modeling for us that when you want to go to the next level in your Christianity, in your faith, you need to be ready. And there's times you need to seek. And this is, this is cool to me because nowhere in scripture did Jesus ever command us to fast. Okay. It's not commanded. There's one day in old Testament, the uh, Israelites, they're commanded God's people to take a one day fast, the day of atonement, right? Yom Kippur. And that's the only one that you ever see. There's a fast commanded at God's people. But in the new Testament, Jesus never commanded it, but he modeled it for us. He said, there's, there's a time in my life when I needed to just commune with the father and forget about food and just go for, for spiritual food so that I could be ready to start my earthly ministry here. And he's modeling for us. In fact, he actually said in Matthew 6, 16, he assumed that we would do it too. You know what he says? He says, and when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do. He didn't say, and if you fast, he said, when you fast, you know what Jesus was, was thinking? There's going to be times in all of our lives when Christianity's going good and we're all happy and we're blessed, but there's going to be times and seasons when something's going to hit us, it's going to be hard. We live in a fallen, broken, sinful world and stuff happens and we're battling out the sinful nature and there's going to be times in our life when you're just, oh, life is so good and all of a sudden in your family, someone, somewhere or you, you get hit with that big C word, cancer. Oh, oh my gosh, God, I need you, I need you. Jesus goes, and when you fast, Here's how I want you to seek me. See, Jesus assumed that there would be times in our life when we needed to go next level in our seeking and in our going, God, here I am. Here's my heart. You know what? I'm going to do something in the physical to show my hunger for you in the spiritual. And Jesus taught us that there's going to be times you could be life all good for several months, several years even, and then suddenly you lose your job. Or you get into a conflict with someone at work, or there's gossip or something, or or you just, or you're maybe you're just like some Christians that oh, I'm just so dry, I feel dry, I don't know how to get out of this dry time, right? Jesus goes, and well, when you fast, because I know you're going to be fasting, I know you're going to need it every once in a while. To me, I believe that if Jesus did it and showed us how, then we ought to make it a practice in our lives. It's a tool again for getting us to where we need to be. Um, and then I, I, I want you to realize that as we fast, as we get into this spiritual discipline, it's not religious. It's not about legalism. There's no absolute one right way to fast in the Bible. And I believe that God designed it that way on purpose so that we wouldn't get all legalistic and say, you have to do it this way. You know, there's times in the Bible where they fasted from food and water. There's times that people fasted from just food, drank water. There's times that people fasted from certain foods and just ate other foods. There's times that people fasted for one day, seven days, 10 days, 21 days. And actually Moses, Elijah, and Jesus all did 40 day fasts. And so there's no absolute right way to do this. It's just a matter of the heart. Cause you know what fasting is about? It's about love and relationship, not about law and religion. And so we don't need to get all technical. We just need to say, God, this is the fast that I'm deciding on. And once we commit to that, then you'd hold that commitment and be accountable to that commitment. But there's no absolute right or wrong way to do it. I got people last year when oh, we're doing this fast, but you know what? I got to go to this family party and I have to eat. I'm expected to do that. I'm all, 
Don't you think that God understands? Don't you think that God cares about your relationship and your witness to those people more than you kind of coming and being pious and going, no, I'm not going to hang out with you guys because I'm on this holy fast for God, you know? I believe that we can get legalistic about it, but I believe that God said there's all different ways to do it. Just just be committed to what God has called you to do. So us as a church, you know what we're going to do? We're going to do a Daniel fast, and it's what we did last year, and it's easy Because what I'm trying to do for all of us is to walk us into discovering this tool that God has given us to press deeper, to look for breakthrough in our lives. But I'm trying to ease you into it. So the Daniel fast, it's a partial food fast. How many of you guys can say, amen, I still get to eat? Come on, right? Here's what Daniel did. He had a vision in Daniel chapter 10. And he had a vision that God was showing him that his people were going to go to war and there was going to be great hardship for them. And it says in verse 2, when this vision came to me, I, Daniel, had been in mourning He was praying. He's in mourning, God, my people, why does this have to happen? This is hard. He'd been mourning for three weeks, 21 days. He says, all that time I'd eaten no rich food, no meat or wine, crossed my lips, and I'd used no fragrant lotions until those three weeks had passed. So he wasn't eating certain foods, and he also didn't take too much care of hygiene. Well, we're going to let you guys shower and use your lotions, because I prefer that, really, when I preach. I want it to smell fresh and zesty clean in this room. So we're still going to be bathing and stuff, but we're going to take the example of Daniel in Scripture, where it says he ate, he ate no rich food. And there's different people have come up with different um, diet plans. What does a Daniel fast look like? Different theologians and commentators. We, as a church, are picking one website, one uh, menu, so that way we're kind of all on the same page together. You know how awesome it is, like it was last year, when in a couple weeks from now, we're all going to be running into each other at Whole Foods on a daily basis? You know how cool that is? And all the people are like, oh, you're from Hope Chapel? Yes, we are. We're hungry, right? But it's awesome because we're all there together. We get to witness the people at Whole Foods because there's so many of us. And then imagine we all come in with our Hope in the World shirts too. They're just going to be overwhelmed, like, right? We all show up hungry with our shirts on. Anyways, it's going to be cool, but Here's the thing. We're committing to this partial fast that Daniel did. And if you take this thing out right here, this is all the information you need to know about it. Um, it's, it takes you right to the website with all the scriptures, with all of the, the answers, the food list. And yes, look on that list. No coffee. Oh, that's rough. Yeah. How many of you guys just died a little inside when I said that? No coffee. But we're going to do it. You can do it for one week because, you know, it's developing something in us. And maybe for some of us, we're stepping out of the comfort zone for the first time. And that's okay. That's cool. I think it's going to be good that we can do that thing together. We've actually even gave you one free recipe. Look at that. Super appetizing. <laughs> Looks like somebody already ate that, Carl. But there's a super appetizing picture of zucchini patties on the back. And let me tell you, right now, you guys are going, zucchini patties? No way. By the third day of your fast, you're going to look at this. You're going to be drooling. Oh, that looks so good, you know? We're going to do this thing together. I'm hoping and I'm praying that the majority of our church, we would step out in faith together and we would do this thing. We step out to see what God has for us. And, you know, not just the fun of it. We get to talk about it in, in mini church and share the recipes and run into each other at Whole Foods and getting our juice in the morning and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. But you know what I'm looking forward to? There's going to be some incredible testimonies. Your mini churches are going to be full of, man, God is doing stuff. There's breakthroughs happening. I was seeking this and he did this for me or he changed my perception or just getting more intimate, falling in love with reading the word and in prayer. It's going to be amazing. But otherwise, you know what? If you guys are going, nah, I'm going to bow out. Well, here's, here's the thing I want to tell you. Normal habits equals normal results. But you want to press through and you want to get breakthrough and you want to go big, you got to do stuff. Now, I'm not forcing anybody to do this. I want you to pray on it. 
Here's the deal. We're going to go for either two weeks or we're going to go for one week. We're giving you option. Because a lot of us did it last year. Yeah, we did one week last year. Yeah, we accomplished it. Well, you guys are ready for two weeks this year. You're ready, right? Because we want to stretch ourselves and grow ourselves. But if this is your first time, just commit to one week. We're asking that you either start on April 12th next or April 5th, which is this coming Saturday, you start Saturday, and you would break it at the end of the night on Good Friday. Basically, Saturday morning, your fast would be done. You can eat again on Saturday. Or if it's um, one week, it's on April 12th, that Saturday, we start. So basically, that's what we're going to be doing together as a church because we believe that to get the best that we can out of God and out of this relationship with him, it takes a little bit of effort on our part. And if there's things that we're just seeking and we're needing, we're needing a breakthrough, try this tool out. Just use it. Just attempt it. It's either one week or two weeks of your life that you just tried something new. And I don't know what it is in your life. What's the breakthrough or what's the thing that you're pushing for? But there's a lot of different reasons. One of my friends came to me on Friday night and he goes, you know what? I know what I'm fasting for. My daughter. And I was like, what, what do you mean? Because my, my, my ex-wife and I have been split apart for 10 years or something. And I've been raising my daughter. She moved to the mainland, my, my ex-wife. And she's married and everything like that. But my daughter now, who's in junior high school, just said, Dad, I, I want to move in with Mom. I want to spend some time with Mom. And my, my friend is just going, oh, man, that's a hard one. I'm not ready to give up my daughter. I'm not mad at my ex-wife. Every child needs to have both of their parents in their life. I understand that. But I, I, I need to be comfortable with where she's moving to, the school she's going to. But, Carl, I, I don't want to lose my daughter. I've raised her for all of these years, and I, I got to give her up to the mom now. And he goes, I'm just really distraught. I'm, I'm just trying to use wisdom and know what God wants me to do. He goes, thank you for challenging us to fast. I know exactly what I'm going to be fasting about. And every one of you guys in here right now, you know what God should be asking you to fast about. Or you're going to pray. We're going to pray this week and seek the Lord. God, do you want me to fast? If the answer is yes, what is it that I want to be seeking you in my relationship? Maybe it's more of the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's salvation for a friend or family family member. Maybe it's for, for breakthrough. You've been feeling dry. Maybe it's for the job opportunity. Maybe your grades are suffering and you need some help. And what is it that you're going to commit to? But anybody in here willing to go along with me on this fast, just to try it out. Are we going to do this guys? And if you're still undecided, pray on it. No one's forcing anybody. Like I said, just pray about it. Let's see. But I believe that God has victory and breakthrough for all of our lives. Is that good? Let's bow our heads and pray. God, we love you for you that we would fast in the first place. It's not because of religion and not because anything that we're going to do as a, as a physical action that's going to earn any extra favor or do anything. It's, Lord, the fact that as we focus on you and not on all those good foods that we're dependent on, Lord, it changes our perspective and makes us hungry for you, Lord. And I pray that you would meet us in this time, Lord, that you would show us what it is that we need to, to be fasting and praying for. And, Lord, that you would meet us there and that you do incredible things. Lord, even things that we're not even expecting would happen in our lives as we press deep and we just we just give you all of the, the hard work and effort it is in this relationship just to, to serve you and to honor you and to worship you and to seek you. Lord, we're looking for this. We expect that you're a good God that loves to give his kids good gifts too. So we're excited and we're expecting you're going to do good things in our lives as we do this together as a team, as a church family. Lord, this is going to be good. It's going to be fun for us and we, we thank you for this opportunity. And I want to give opportunity right now as we do in every single service for anybody that's never made a commitment to God. You've never really accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, your best friend, the the Lord of your life. 
if you're in a place where you came today because you're kind of interested and you're hearing and you're, you're kind of leaning towards finding out about God, but you're at the point where maybe right now you just feel like, I, I got I to gotta do this thing. I got to commit to this. Well, I want to pray with you in a minute here. And it's a prayer that would basically be saying, God, I understand that you're good and you're real and that you've got good things in store for me. You could change my life, change my eternity. And I believe that all I have to do is just a simple thing is to believe that you gave your son Jesus to come down to this earth to teach us how to walk a perfect life of, of love and commitment and obedience to you and that life works out that way and that he came not only to, to teach us about you, but he came down to pay the price for our sin, our separation from God, that we've been living lives on our own and that's not gonna get us into heaven. That's not gonna get us the best life possible. We can't have a relationship with God because of that sin. He is perfect and holy, but we believe that he sent Jesus to pay the price of the cross, to pay the price for our sin, so that we could be set free and we could have a relationship with, with God the Father, with his Son, and with the power of his Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, we're, we're sitting here today and we're telling you that we're ready to accept that. And so if that's you that I'm talking about and describing right now, I'm gonna ask that you would just pray with me as I, I pray. I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. I'm gonna ask you to pray it in your heart right now. That I know that the scripture says that if you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and he died for you, and you also confess it with your mouth and you'll be saved. I think the first step is believing it in your heart. And so I'm gonna ask that as I pray the words, lead you in a prayer, you're gonna pray it with me just quietly in your heart. You don't have to say it out loud in a room this size full of all these people. It's a little scary. But the first thing you would do after service is that you would confess with your mouth. You would go and be accountable. You'd tell someone you came with, hey, I prayed that prayer. I'm a Christian now. What do I do? And they're gonna help you out. They're gonna be so stoked you made that decision. But right now, this prayer right here and now for you to connect with God, to make everything right with God is a prayer in your heart that I wanna lead you in. And before we do that, I'm gonna ask you one thing. People seated around you have their eyes closed and heads bowed, but I want you to let me know you're gonna be praying with me. How we're gonna do that is I'm gonna count to three and I'm gonna ask you just to raise your hand, just to say, Pastor, I wanna pray that with you, just so I know who I get the privilege of praying with. So if we can do that and then we'll pray together and we'll get on with our day and God's gonna show up in your life in big ways. Is there anybody here today on the count of three? One, two, three. Would you just raise your hands? I see one hand over here. I see two, I see three. I'm looking around. Is anybody else? At least three people in the room today. If I didn't see you, just kind of wave at me. One, two, three. Thank you, Father God. At least three. Thank you, Lord. If that was you, go ahead and put your hand down and just pray this with me in your heart. God hears you. God, I'm here today and I need you. I want you. I don't know everything there is to know, but I know it's good. I know you've got plans for my life. I know that you were willing to give your son Jesus up to pay the price for me. He came to earth and he died for my sin to pay the price, but then he rose again on the third day as something that only God could do. And then he conquered that death and the guilt and the sin and the shame and all of my baggage, all of my issues, all of my separation from you. He did that for me. So Lord, I believe that. I receive that. And from this moment forward, I will walk that out all the days of my life into eternity. Lord, I will put forth the effort to get to know you as you begin to move in my life and bless me and, and change me and fix me. And I realize I don't have to fix myself, but I come to you and you begin the process and you show me how to live and things are gonna get better and better and better as I keep going next level, next level, next level. Lord, I thank you for all that you've done. Lord, I promise to read my Bible, to learn more about you, to keep coming to church that I could get together with God's family and, and hear messages and be blessed and enter into worship and, and join the family, the body of Christ, my new brothers and sisters. Lord, I promise to get water baptized as a, an outward, physical, spiritual discipline 
uh, an example of something physical going under the water is like washing clean and dying to my old self, Lord, because I'm a new creation in you. And Lord, that I would be willing to receive all the power of your Holy Spirit that you want to give me because God, let's face it, I need some help here and I want all the help I can get. Lord, everything you got for me, my answer from here on out is yes. Thank you for being my God, my Lord, my Savior, my King, my best friend. I trust you. I will seek you and follow you all the days of my life. And in Jesus' mighty name, the church said, amen, amen. Let's praise God for those people that joined the family of God this morning. Amen.